The podcast you're about to listen to is part of the Professional Casual Network. To find more podcasts like this, please check out professionalcasual.com. The Professional Casual Network has gear. Check out teespring.com slash store slash professional casual for fresh new swag. A huge shout out to our sponsor, beardeddragongames.online. Pick up all your local game store goodness from Magic the Gathering, Dungeons and Dragons, Pathfinder, or Wafurp 4th Edition, as well as terrain, paints, board games, comics, and more. Make sure to use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout for free domestic shipping or PCME10 for 10% off your total order at beardeddragongames.online. Also, a special thanks to Built Bar for sponsoring the show. To get 10% off your order and to help support the show, use code PROFESSIONALCASUAL at checkout or use the link in the show notes. And welcome. It is your Thursday night crisis fight, except pre-recorded ahead of time. It's wait. Did I roll a wild? Your Marvel Crisis Protocol plavlog. I am incredibly overjoyed this week to be joined by two of my favorite people uh coming off the heels of the wtc is the man the myth the legend the person or or one of the the collective the illuminati that put it all together uh is mr gill and i'm also joined by ben rev right mad uh as someone that i appreciate pretty heavily that i got to uh witness playing an event this past weekend as well um to help me kind of boil down some of the more competitive parts and the working features of people that actually know how to play this game, like that we're at the <laughs> WTC, instead of people running the meme list that we like to do here at the network. But guys, welcome both of you. How are you? Thank you. Uh, fantastic. And rested again. That's good. That's a short turnaround time to be considered rested already. <laughs> Congratulations there. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good to be here. We're we're excited to to have uh you know one one of the the Illuminati. I mean that's that's quite a a, a privilege there, Gil. Thanks for for gracing us with your your presence. Yeah, well, that's first time I've been called that, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we like to bestow titles on people. It's uh it's pretty cool. It's pretty. It's cool. okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've got I've put titles on some of my people. Um, Doctor Norbert, he's my SOMI director and uh, recruiter. Nice, nice. Yeah. So, um, going into this past weekend, give give us a little bit of a background about kind of uh, what the WTC is. Uh, I know it was kind of linked to the War Machine events and stuff as well. This is the first year that there's been a WTC for Marvel Crisis Protocol. Um, so, give everyone kind of a synopsis in case they're unaware of what the WTC is and kind of what the format is as a whole. Okay. It's the well, yeah, as you mentioned, it started with War Machine, and this year we added the MCP, which is going to go off on its own because it's gotten that big already. Uh, it's um, yeah, it's World Team Championship, uh, a very important team. It's a five-man team where we put some restrictions in, very similar restrictions for MCP because we thought we didn't need anything other than all characters are unique across the team. So every team has one Hulk, one Beta Ray Bill, and so forth. But your crisis and your tactics cards and your gems, they're free to use. We just want to restrict it so we don't see five of the same top lists in every team because that's not really interesting. We want players to have a little bit of challenge, put together some lists with all the characters put in, and then who's the best to put the list together and then play them and do the pairing process. But there's also a pairing process. 
five players from five teams meet up against. They do a normal priority roll off the captains. Whoever wins chooses if they want to pick three matchups or three tables. So let's say I win and we're like, we want to go for matchups. So basically, we decide that we put a list down first and then we get to pick out of the two lists the opponent puts down who we play into that list. Oh. But if we pick the matchup, they get to pick which of the five tables we play on. And we deliberately wanted the tables to be different. So there'd be like one table, Magneto with Love, one table, Shield with Love, and then the other three tables should range somewhere in between, or there might be two Magneto tables, one Shield, and so forth, from all the different rows. I mean, we had 16 rows of, of five tables for the 160 players. Um, so yeah, so the table choice should matter, and then, of course, the pairing. And there was... People who was like, does the pairing really matter that much before going into the event? After the event, they're like, no, pairing matters. Prices matter. (laughs) Go figure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so for some of them, it was more crisis than tables. uh, And for others, it was the tables that mattered and so forth. Um, I had people say, well, this list, my shield is going to play into that. But then, oh, wait a minute. They're all playing different scenarios than crisis than normal. So we can't play this normal matchup into this we got to pick somebody else and so that was cool to find out from people that you know it's there was a lot of thought going into it so they would change it um so that's the format um setting it up that's a that's a whole different thing i had a question the other day is it just you know um book the venue and and tell the people to come and show up and, and then you're good and um, me and Norbert laughed for two minutes, and 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 then we formulated an answer that it's no. Um, we need an average of twelve hundred, at least twelve hundred pieces of terrain for an event like that. Uh, eighty tables. Oh, yes. If you look at eighty tables, average of fifteen pieces of terrain, and you get twelve hundred. So I was like, okay, I need to get twelve hundred pieces of, of, t- of terrain. So I need to get my printers in, but that took a while. So I was like, with the time that it takes for them to print the terrain. For us to paint it, I need to borrow some. So I call up different friends, uh, Hank Williams, who does Adepticon, mm-hmm. and he says, uh, well, it's close to Warfare Weekend, so I can only borrow you 32 tables. So I was like, 32 tables, almost halfway. Uh, that helps a lot, because that's 32 tables I don't have to do. Um, some of the Danish guys brought um, just over 10 tables. The Swedes brought 18 tables. Oh. I had a friend borrowed me a few tables. Uh and then I just, all of a sudden, instead of having to print 80 tables, I was down to printing 20 tables and painting them up. I was like, that was easy. Um, bought some toy cars instead of printing and painting a million cars um, because we just <laughs> bought some 1 to 43 scale. And so when we actually set up on a Friday for the event, I realized after setting the tables up, over half of the toy cars I, I bought, we I didn't actually have to use them. Some of the tables I borrowed, we didn't have to use them. And some of the terrain I brought from my club with trees to do like fan, um, nature tables. Yeah. We didn't have to use that. We had a whole crate of containers where we used a few of them. So we had enough over for probably another row of tables, which is good. Uh, even with borrowing so many, because the worst thing that happened is we showed up and we didn't have enough and we had to put unpainted stuff on the tables and half a symbol i was like i don't want that uh mm-hmm. for the for mcp whether it's the first or the tenth it's got to be looking good yeah people spend time and money and uh, effort to get there 
Um, and then with the storm we had, we we had a storm of uh, of the century coming in, so people almost got blown off off the road. <laughs> now I heard about that. So there was a bunch of people kind of like waylaid or flights canceled. Were there any? Was there anyone unable to make it because of the weather? Yeah, we lost. We thought we lost five players from different teams and a team. So on the Friday, uh, we were told the French team. Their flight was delayed, so they were delayed, and then maybe they could get it. So we thought the French team was out. We had a guy from the U.S. flying over to be a replacement on another team. He got stuck in France, so he couldn't make it. Um, and there were so many English people who flew out later than the others. They didn't make it. So we are down a few people. Uh, Friday night was like, well, we'll look at who we have tomorrow, see where we at. Um, and then if we have to, we have a Team UN that Norbert put together a week before the event when we found out the Israeli team couldn't make it because the, all their flights were canceled. They couldn't fly out of the country. They wanted to come despite everything, but they couldn't fly out. So they're like, sorry, we can't make it. They sent us a very nice speech that we um, told before the event. So Norbert put together a UN team uh, Sunday, the week before the event. Good on him. Yeah. Sure. Four of them made it here, and the fifth one didn't. And then a couple of players from other teams uh, couldn't make it. Either the Swedish team lost a guy to COVID that hadn't been in contact with anybody, but he couldn't make it. So Norbert, on Friday morning, contacted one of the guys who was interested in joining the UN team, saying, you still want to come? A guy from France. And he's like, yes, can you make it? Yes, I can get a flight out. And then his Friday flight was canceled. But then he got a Saturday morning flight, so he could still make it. He was in the flight, getting ready to go, and then he sent Norbert a message: "Somebody's sick. We're waiting for a doctor." Oh. Uh, and we're flying now. And then he showed up and made it for the first round in time. Wait, like on the plane? Like someone was sick on the plane, and they were waiting for a doctor to get to the? Yeah. So they had a doctor to the plane, check him out, and then either I don't know if he took him off or fixed him. But then they took off, and he actually managed to come. For the first round, I think he might have missed a little bit of the pairing. We said, just put your suitcase in the corner. I sort out your room. After the three rounds or doing lunch or whatever, I'll deal with it later. Just go and get sorted and play. And then I did a pairing. We thought the French team wasn't there. So we're like, okay, we just split up the UN team. So we'd be 30 teams. Nobody gets a buy. And then we go 30 instead of 32. But then the French guy says, why weren't we paired? I thought you weren't here. I said, no, 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 we're here. We're standing here. I was like, okay. Stop the whole round, call the captains over, and says, we now have to make a decision. Either we put the UN team back together and we play 32 teams, but we have five teams missing a player. Or we still split up the UN team and then we have 31 teams and somebody play with a bye. And in the beginning, some of the captains thought, we don't want to buy. But then Huggy Bear, uh, Hugo from Sweden, said, well, if you split the UN team up and have 31 teams, with full uh, full five players, then it's only those five players who has one round where they get nothing. It's the same amount of people don't play, but nobody has a shitty round every game. If right. they, you know, players. That way you have one round, you don't get to play, but all the other rounds you get a full experience and you don't play in a man down, so you play it handicapped. And once he explained that, everybody thought, yeah, that makes more sense because nobody gets a whole weekend of, oh, shit, we one player down, so we have to work it into a pairing. Hope it doesn't hurt us. So we went, yeah, 
Let's go for that. So we went 31 teams, and the friend says, yeah, we'll take the first round bye. We're happy. And then I didn't have to. I do enter them into the tournament again, and then just give them the first round bye, and then we'd go around walking and look at the games, and then, you know, people just went, let's play. And then we started. Tell me a little bit about the event um, hall as as a whole. Uh, from the pictures that I've seen, it looks awesome yeah. like very it's, spacious very bright very like very modern too yeah it's um it's comfort hotel in the airport it's only a few years old it's made as a conference hotel so they have a massive venue um the hall is five hangers we got three of them so we can add two more which means we can go to 64 teams easy oh, wow. wow yeah and we could almost squeeze them in the three halls because i mean we had 16 32 teams for mc lined up and 24 for a war machine that take that same space. So we could almost fit them into that one hangar. Uh, I can take some stage. So we could do that. Or we could add another one. We could add an, an extra 40% of space. So we can go 64 team and a solo masters as well if we want to. So that's not a problem. So that's what we're looking into expanding. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, the, the, the roof is, I mean, it's the ceiling is very high. So that means the noise is down to almost nothing. I mean, everybody could talk normally. You could hear each other. You can actually talk, yell somebody across the table and get their attention. I could hear judge calls from the back of the back of the hall, standing on stage. Uh, <laughs> How many judges did you have? Uh, well, originally I had two from the UK and one from Denmark, but then then AJ from UK got put onto the UN team the week before, so I still had Will from the UK. And then when we showed up and we found out we had the four UN players, but we needed five, then I gave Will away. And then only had me and the Danish, <laughs> which was fine because it was four rows of four table of, well, when I say table, that's a table of five players, yeah. but we had four rows of four. Um, and then we just walked around and I was on the stage or walking in between the tables. So whenever they called uh, me and my Danish George Mass would just uh, run over um, there isn't that many rules questions in MCP. Um, it's fairly easy. I had a couple of measurements, one for cover, one for range. Then we have some simple questions, and then we had some interesting questions as well, which was pretty cool. Um, and this, the players was fantastic. They asked a question. We gave them a ruling, whether it's a measurement or explanation of the rule, and they went, thank you, and then just carried on. No arguments, no questions to it. Nice. Like, awesome. ruling, and we're playing on. Easy peasy. So that was fantastic. Um, so one, I mean, yeah. Uh, so one thing I'm super curious about to kind of segue um, from that a little bit. First off, to have that many players and only have two judges, well done. Like, <laughs> Just nuts. Yes, for nuts. real. Like, that's, that's impressive in itself. Um, but one thing, and this is one of the things I actually really like about the format as a whole, is because I, uh, characters are unique, you have a lot of stuff that maybe doesn't get the a lot of the spotlight uh, in, in a lot of games and tournament plays. Um, and Ben, this is kind of like for you as well. Um, I'm curious just from kind of the more competitive mindset, what are some of the big, huge characters that you need to make sure that you are incredibly tactful with and who and, and what affiliation you're running them? Characters like Hulk or CGR, Malekith, are you stocking them all up on one player that's going to be running them all? Or did we see that a little bit more spread out? I see just from the Longshanks, and that list will be in the show notes and in the in the uh, video description as well. But 
a lot of like spider foes and defenders popping up, which I wasn't necessarily expecting. But with the new Daredevil rework, um, I was curious with the the new character card updates. Were you allowing the new core box and were you allowing the new uh, character update or was it just the new character update? Just a new character update because that's just a rule. Everybody can get the update. Everybody can get the card sprinted. The core box dropped two weeks after list lock, oh. which means, and one week before the event, which we know certain parts of Europe doesn't have fast distribution. Mm -hmm. So the decision is very easy. We already put in the in in the player pack whatever is released before October first, which was a list lock, is allowed. Anything released afterwards is not allowed because we can't guarantee everybody can get it and it has to be an even playing field. Which means you might want to have the new, you know, new toys. You can't play with them. Not even the new sticks will allow because if somebody has the new sticks and somebody don't, which means your frozen pushes are slightly longer with the new sticks. Movement are the same, but frozen pushes weren't. So we had one player who only brought the new sticks and he's like, what do I do? I says, well, for movement, it doesn't really matter. But whenever you do frozen pushes, you use the other guy's sticks if you can't borrow a set, because it has to be even for everybody. But the Rata is easy because download the cards, print them, and that's the new cards, and that's the new rules, and we'll play with them yep. because everybody access to them. That makes a lot so that of sense. Was, that was a no-brainer. Yep. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting, um, and what we see, one, uh, and Gil, I think this is just speaks to your organization and, and Norbert's organization. You know, of all the teams there, you had 152 correctly code their uh, their squads <laughs> in, which is just a miracle, right? I mean, I don't know. You, we've been to tournaments together and, and recognize that it's really hard to uh, to get people to code those in. It's, you know, it's a simple copy paste, real hard to do. But uh, it it. it it reveals to us, I think, things that uh, I'm sure we're not really too surprised on. You know, Beta Ray Bill being um, the number one uh, most taken model at 32 in, in 32 uh, lists. Yeah. Uh, told Boza, uh, told and Bullseye, uh, you know, being um, just continuing to be a two threat of monsters. Uh, I think what surprised a lot of people, I know what surprised uh me was um black cat being still so really high she's still an amazing character mm -hmm. uh but there was still a lot of fear of you know people you know getting all antsy about uh steals being in action which is really good for the game but um it's one of those things that people were still trying to to figure out i think she's the only of the top five uh yeah of the top five characters uh she's the only one who is uh who, who got eroded uh yeah I think uh, if we didn't do the errata, uh, Voodoo is uh, pretty far down uh, this list compared to only being in, in 20 lists, you know, compared to Black Cat being in 29. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we probably would have seen a little bit more equaling out or, or more Black Cats, more, uh, more Voodoos. Um, and I think what I love about the WTC format is the unique uh, characters across the board. Mm -hmm. uh, those numbers would be way skewed. I'm sure we'd see 149 Beta Ray Bills, uh, you know, uh, if you allowed them to be on every single roster. Um, yeah. 
Uh, one of the questions I, I, I had, um, and I, I don't know if you, uh, if this was an, an issue, um, did you find that maybe, uh, was there a language barrier? You know, so if someone had uh, their cards in French and, and maybe someone wasn't sure of the errata on a, on a black cat or something like that, um, w- was that a challenge at all or, or did everyone kind of communicate well? It didn't, if it was for anybody, it didn't show up. Uh, we didn't have a problem with that. Everybody knew. It's also in the player pack that we're using the English set of rules because we know sometimes there's mistake in translations. I've seen it working in other game systems. Uh, and also just in the player packet, all communication at the table needs to be in a language both understand. So if you're both from Sweden or Croatia or France, feel free, both teams, to talk French or Swedish or whatever. But if there's one player at a table who doesn't understand whatever language the other speaking, everybody speaks English as soon as you start the pairing process. And as we put in the pack, and I told them, as soon as pairing is over and you go to the individual table, the two players talk and they play a normal game, no interference from outside. If you want to say anything to the people at the table, both players need to understand, even though if it's something innocent, like, do you want a beer? Because any common mate and one player doesn't understand, even though it's an innocent one, you want a beer or, you know, I'm going to go whatever. It, if the other player doesn't understand, there's always this, we don't want there to be any chance of mistrust. Yep. And we know some randomly like a Spanish guy or a German guy or a French guy or whatever, just go like, oh, I'm going to, um, you know, I'm going to shoot off or whatever. Um, something innocent, it's going to be said, but we told people, don't do it because then we don't have the issue of, suspicion we don't want that so it's gonna but the thing is everybody i talked to said it was all going fine he were having fun and communicating uh, easily uh, some people were not that good but then the teammates helped them out and then they, they may do uh, we know some for some people they they're very good at the game but they know might not always be as um as well worse than in english um as uh, yeah yeah. yeah, if it's your second language and you, you know, it's just, it's just the way it's. But um, quick note on the, the list: before we lost a few players and had to change some things out, I actually had a hundred and sixty list in code in the okay. system. Uh, I told everybody enter your enter your list in code, so I know all the uh, the people doing the stats and the yep. podcast would love it because they can just work with it. Yep, and yep. they've done high before. <laughs> Yeah, and they go beforehand. So it's like uh, there was a p- few people who put in a text. So I wrote the captains, tell your people to put it back in into t- into code, and then five three days before or a week before, I had all 160 in with list full stats. Then we lost some people. I had to replace some of them. There should have been 155 and not 152, but the last three lists that I got from players, uh, I think I've forgot or didn't have time doing the doing the event to actually stick them in. I got the players in with the list, but I didn't get to put the um, MCT code in uh, fast enough. And I just realized, oh, I'm missing three of them. I might have oh, the list. How, how dare you drop three out of 155? <laughs> yeah. How dare you, Gil? How yeah. dare you? No, it, yeah. it is it is an impressive feat. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as, as podcasters, as folks, you know, pour over that data, I think also as AMG looks at, 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 mm-hmm stuff like this uh, this is vital information you know I, I can't 
encourage people enough, you know, when you go to events, code them in properly, it just only helps the game in the future. Um, so that's, that so that's really awesome. And it's just copy and paste. It's not art. Yeah. <laughs> it's not art. <laughs> Whatever system you're using, instead of exporting text, you click on MCT code, export that one, stick it in. And Done. it takes the same amount of time. You just click on a different bracket and boom, a different tap. And there you go. I was like, I, I never understood why people don't. It's so easy. Speaking of outliers and data, just really want to send a shout out to the one dude that brought a time gem. Uh, don't know who that was specifically, yeah. but good on you. Yeah. I, I did appreciate one of the other, yeah, the outlying stats. I think there were, uh, what, th three listed Dormammus um, and only two or, or something. There was a, a Dormammu and Dark uh, Dimension uh, affiliation snafu that someone just didn't port, report. Uh, they're splashable Dormammu, you know. <laughs> uh, Dormammu splash uh, is really, you know, that's WTC is the time to break that out. And honestly, no, I'm, yeah, that's I'm super just, happy yeah. someone did. That's rad. Yeah. <laughs> just, oh, oh, yeah. Two affiliation is not picked. Sentinels. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Sentinels and Weapon X. Weapon X is understandable because all the characters in Weapon X is been used in uh, X Force and X Men, and they are probably a strong affiliation, so they will be picked over them. And then you don't have anything for Weapon X. Uh, yeah, yep, that makes sense. So I, you know, Gil, I, I don't know, Tim, if this is you know appropriate time to to keep you know moving on when when. You you talked about uh, you know the the challenge of the, the pairing process of you know when you won priority as as a team captain do you want to pick uh, you know matchups you want to pick up tables as the rounds were getting further in and yeah. you know we're we're getting you know to the kind of the top table um, did you did you notice you know some of those teams kind of coming in with a more distinct plan of trying to say these are our good matchups these are our bad matchups um and kind of focusing on that or or you, i know you, you briefly touched on that there were some teams who wanted to to really pick tables but yeah. i'm curious as the as the event went on uh, how did that process look uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I didn't actually have time to, to see, but I've heard from some teams. Uh, I know the Swedes in the final wanted to pick tables and they did. And after they decided that they realized that the, the top row was, a, I'll, I'll, I'll step back, uh, a little bit in time. When we set up Friday, we're really lucky. I was in at 10 o'clock in the morning to test the AV system. And then players start uh, around 11, go into the hall, and everything was set up table-wise. And I talked to the guys there and said, can we start setting up now instead of 6 o'clock? They're like, yeah, we don't care. Do you mind the players? Me? No, no, no. I want them to come in because then they're going to help me. So we started setting up the tables, and I explained to them, set up the tables in this format so they're all different stuff, and they did that. The first row they started on was actually table one, so the top table. Mm -hmm. But as they, they set up, I told them, once we set up all the tables, you can do your grudge matches and your war games and whatever. So people started doing that. I found out later, um, I think Pat and Norbert um, noticed that some of the people moved the terrain around to have a more normal table for their game. Uh, and one of the rows hardest was row one. Yeah. which I didn't notice until after round three and then was so busy when I found out that I never got back to sorting it out. 
So in the fifth game, when the Swedes came on to play the final against the Austrian, uh, Hockey Bear says, we want to go in this matchup, we want to pick tables so we can get Magneto on the right table and Shield on the right table. And then we don't care as much about the pairings as we do with the tables. And after they decided that, they looked at the table and they went like, doesn't actually matter that much because the tables <laughs> are more five normal tables instead of as they were supposed to be. I mean, luckily for the Swedes, they, they still locked out the way they wanted to, but it was very touch and go for them. Um, and it would have been better if those tables were set up correct because then the table choices would have mattered more. Uh, and then some of the other rows that were perfectly set up. I think that's so, really yeah. important too, just in general, looking at other conventions and other larger tournaments that try to kind of equalize terrain amongst all tables. I was watching yeah. uh, Dr. Norbert's stream just a couple days ago with you and, and, and Dr. Norbert and a couple of the Swedes. Um, talking about like the tables were different on purpose, like table choice was very important. And you guys really kind of like not calculated it, but like really kind of made that a very present force. Another character on kind of the, the board that some tables have really diverse terrains. Some have dense, some have light, some have a bunch of larger things or a bunch of smaller things. And I think that's really important and kind of just another layer of, um, polish i guess on an, on an event like this to make that a very impactful decision um between tables and matchups yeah because well, it, it is a yeah go ahead ben no i'm yeah i, I think it's i just want to commend you again gil for mm -hmm. for recognizing the deep importance of you're going to a, a competitive event where, you know, hopefully these players are going to recognize that they're going to try to get the best out of each other, the best out of their country. There's always, you know, that, that national pride that's, you know, that, that's a part of it and yep. adding a layer of complexity that not maybe every player is ready for, you know, I, I, as you've named, there's kind of this rhythmic policy for a lot of MCP players, a lot of miniature uh, war gamers to have symmetric gaming boards. You know, yeah. everything should be symmetric and that, that way it's fair. Um, and that's, that that's not wrong, but at the same time, I think the strength of MCP, especially in a setting like, like you were trying to build is, well, let's add a le level of complexity. Uh, yeah. I, I want to lift up, uh, and you've named it a couple of times, Gil, uh, my man, Anders uh, Hedval, is that, is that how you say his last name? Uh, who, who brought Magneto every game. My man. He is my hero. Uh, he, is, he is my Swedish brother. Never met him, but he's awesome. Uh, and, uh, and that's important, right? I'm sure, you know, that was in, intentional on, on his part, especially on some of the other tables yeah. of going, I, man, don't put me on the table with all ones and twos or I'm not no. going to be a happy camper. You know. no, he wanted to, that was one of the reasons they want to pick because they wanted to put him on the table, all the threes and fours and some twos and just mm -hmm. have a field day for him. That yeah. was a big, I mean, I've always been a uh, opponent to the symmetrical tables because, and especially in MCP now, because if you win prior, I get to pick sides. If the sides don't matter, I've lost uh, some yeah. of the things, which means Winning prior gets stronger again as when the game yep. started, and winning prior meant you almost got to pick everything. I mean, yeah. the, the guy who didn't win prior had one choice, and the guy who won prior, he picked everything else. Uh, so they that was the best change they've done to the game within six months. They'd say, okay, let's change this up because um, it needs to matter for both sides. Both, both, both players need to have an influence on the starting process. Mm -hmm. And I think the table has to as well. And here's a kicker for you. Doing the opening speech, uh, because I was asked this, 
can we pick any side on the table? Oh. And I said, <laughs> yes. I told them at the speech, we are playing with the full rule set, which means whoever doesn't have prior gets to pick the side, and that's all four sides yeah. to pick from. Yeah. And I know some players did actually choose to play sideways. And I told them, you don't move the map around, you play sideways. If the guy picks the left or the right side, you play sideways. And it did happen at some tables. What a what a crazy, what crazy people. <laughs> I mean, we are playing a tournament and it won me the tournament because I really, I looked at the table and was like, yeah, I need to go on this side because that benefits me and it really hurts my opponent. And that's the game I won that won me the tournament. And people said, why didn't you just turn around? Says because we were going to knock all the terrain over. So we just played sideways. It's not a problem. If you have tables so we don't have like, you know, two feet to yeah. get defender, you're fine. So normal table, they had plenty of space and you could reach around. Um, and yeah, I know some of the Swedes guy, they actually, the guy who won, one of them played sideways in one of his game. And he's always like, why are you doing this to me? I was like, because it benefits me. So I have to. And he's like, yeah, okay, we'll play. Uh, and that's the thing. Uh, it's part of the game. Yeah. Um, so it should be in. And I was like, yeah, that's why I don't have any pre-marked maps. They're all normal maps with just the terrain on. There you go. Yeah. And, and for me, there's two rules I always follow when I set up a table. One, I go by the guideline of 12 to 20 pieces of terrain, which is that usually equates out to a nice table. And then my second rule is rule of cool is more important than the distance between terrain. Hell yeah. If the, yeah, if the table, if you look at the table, it's like that that paints a story, a theme, or whatever, it makes sense. It looks cool. I want to play on that. Yeah. Instead of just having, you know, a building in the middle of the road and a car in the corner. No, no. I mean, cars on the road, they can be chipped over because the superheroes are throwing them or whatever. But, I mean, the how, the building starts out in the building areas and stuff, and you I mean there might be a trash can behind the building because they won't put it down the street. They'll put it around the building because they have a shop. So a lot of time we put a building, size three building, and then the size two um, container behind it because you go out the store, you go up to the back, and you fill your, you know, your trash yeah. in the bin. Yep. So that's what we do. Um, and it looks cool, and it works in a game. It means some places you big guys can't go. But that's also good because terrain has to matter. Otherwise, we might as well just play on a flat piece. Um, well, yeah, legitimately, especially when they talked about Malekith and the wings, right? Like that those wings are there to impede where he can go. If he can't fit down an alleyway because he has a 25 foot wingspan, well, he can't fit down an alleyway. Luke Cage can, exactly. Iron Fist can. Like it is, it is a part of the game. The terrain is a character. Yes, we did actually have to. The wings were removed. The players, uh, they discalled them nicely. And they, they I knew it wasn't, they said it, it wasn't, and I'm not going to accuse anybody of that, but it was just, it wasn't a legal malachite. If there was, the rules are, if you want to do a conversion, it has to be pre-approved. I would never approve a malachite without the wings because it's part of the model, and there's a ruling officially saying that if he can't fit, mm -hmm. he can't fit. So malachite has to have wings. If you want to change the wings a little bit to look dynamic or a different shape, as long as they're on, I would probably approve it. If you take him off completely and close him up and he's nice and slender, I mean, the model Hulk can go, he can't go flush against the building because of his base either. He has a fancy base. Yeah. That's just part of the model. It's worked into the model. And I would, for me, I believe it's part of the model and the rules and the points cost of it. And that's just the way it is. Play the model as is. You have creative freedom for, you know, certain, within certain limits. But if you want to, if you want to heavily convert a model when you go to a tournament, a big one, 
get them pre-approved, especially when it says in the player pack, all conversion has to be approved beforehand. Well, and, and uh, it's, it's interesting when you're talking about Malekith. Uh, I think, you know, because of also the update, you know, there's nine Malekiths, uh, yeah. which I, I think that probably would have easily doubled, uh, you know, prior to the, uh, to the changes. Gil, you, um, I, I want to kind of talk about something that as, at least in my experiences, you know, in, in just tournaments here in, in the U S and kind of, uh, you know, we talk, everyone talks about their own local meta, right? So, you know, in the States, mm. you know, we've got a, a state local, you know, here in New York, it's a little bit different than, than when we went down to Nashville, you know, things, things like that. Uh, did you find that, that, um, players were, were, you know, in their own metas or things that were kind of norms as, you know, as maybe the U S player expectations were different than the, than the Swedes or the French or, or, or things like that. Did that come in involved? Like, did you hear any stories of, Hey, just like in the U S we, we play this way. Um, did you experience that or, or see that that was a thing? Uh, there's definitely, um, I know a lot of Europeans was expecting the Americans to bring lots of Sams. Um, <laughs> America. Sam is a big thing over here in the US and he, apparently he wins NashCon. He does uh, win. <laughs> that, is, that is the rule, the, the, the rule of NashCon. It was, it, was, it was cemented again this year. Uh, I was there. It's, uh, yeah. Yep. yep. Um, but I mean, yes, all matters. I've seen this in other games and it's also apparent here, even though people play against each other, um, either talk over you know online or they play online or whatever, and they, they meet each other at different tournaments. There will still be, I mean, yeah, there are different matters in the U.S. There's different matters in Europe, and then they all come together. And uh, even in inside a country, if it's a big country with people north and south or east and west, there can be a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, in this game, there's a lot of opinions. There's a lot of opinions on some of the top models. And we can see from the stats and when you talk to people, there are certain models that everybody agrees on, these are some of the best. But then when you go into the list, there's different ways of playing them and there's different choices of what to have him in. Um, I mean, the way I play my X-Men list is, uh, is different from what most X-Men players. Every time I put my X-Men on the table, people are like, they're very tanky and killy. I said, yes. And they can still play a scenario, but they are very tanky and killy. I mean, I play X-Men Hulk, and my Logan is usually always on the table, unless there's too much Mystic attacks. Then I have to, you know, not field him. But then I got stuff like Rogue and Psylocke to replace. But so, and other people play, you know, X-Men wide and play a lot of scenario, which is, is, is you know, one of the normal X-Men school. And it'll be like that for, for everybody. And then, then we put him in a team format when all the models are unique. And then the different metas, I think, had more different takes on how do we put this together and what works. What I didn't notice was, yeah, nobody did like one guy's get a super list and the rest gets what's left over. Right. I think, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 think, I, I thought about that. Yeah. Just yeah. All, yeah, all, all but, eggs in one basket. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't work because then yeah, you got that one. What do the other four going? You got to win three games to win a round minimum. So you got to have everybody needs to be able to play. And I know I advise some of the Danish guys on my advice to them was like, work out what affiliations you want to play, see if they have too many overlapping so they don't work together and then drop one of them. Um, I mean, the Malekin nerf, we had one of the Danish players, the, the team that made it the best, the best Danish team. Um, 
they were playing Kabal Malekith. Then Nerf came and he's like, yeah, I can't see it working anymore because it's not good enough. So he went back to um, Crim Syndicate instead, gotcha. which he's played before. And he was very happy with that. And he went with that. And I think uh, he was overall happy um, with how he did with that instead. As and, um, oh, sorry, yeah, go. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was I'm sure a lot of other countries have made similar choices, uh, which is why we only saw nine Malekits and not uh, 24. Yeah. Well, so, and I think that's super interesting too, talking about kind of like consolidating a lot of power and strong models on, on one particular team out of five. I think it's yeah. maybe a little bit different when you're running a uh, you know, three by three tournament where, you know, there's a lot of really good affiliations. You can kind of boil it down. Well, I'm going to play this. I'm going to play that. You play that. Oh, now we just have to fight over Beta Ray Bill. When you're five wide, it's it's really kind of an extrapolation of that. And looking at even just the top 10 from the WTC, like when you're considering stacking a particularly good player, potentially with really good models, you see kind of a wide dearth of total wins and losses amongst those five people in each round. Sweden, the top team, lost a total of four games. That's it. Yeah. While second lost 11, third lost seven, fourth lost 11 again. So like, it's not just that three. While that three is the important, that's how you take the round, right? Um, if you put all the other eggs in one basket and you're relying on that person to continually produce a win each round, if they don't, if something goes awry, if, if dice spike in the wrong direction, you've, you've put way too many in there. But a huge shout out to uh, Sweden Good With Hammers for not only spreading out things incredibly well, but continually performing round after round, only having a couple slip ups, if any effectively throughout the entire weekend. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I mean, they went 4141, 4141. Yeah, I think <laughs> yeah. it's that order, but they went 5-1, 501 round, and every other round was 4-1. So they had um the biggest player in, in, in the world, <laughs> big Swedish wreck. He went 5-0. and <laughs> One of four players going 5-0. and And the rest of the team went 4-1. So everybody did their part. One of the strengths they did, which I think, a lot of team is going to a lot of teams is going to work on next year they really worked out their pairing process beforehand so when they went into pairing you other guys went we're putting this one down and they just looked at it for five seconds and went okay these two lists maybe a short quick check just to double check something and then boom within less than a minute there's your choices and then they spent they went in the tank looked at it and thought about it and at the same time they're thinking why did it give him so fast yeah and then they put theirs, you know, left one down for them. And they're like, okay, you put leaf in that one. Great. And so, okay, boom, boom, you get these two. And they're like, okay, it's us again. So that gave him a mental edge. And they just also for themselves were calm because we know what we're doing. We're just double checking. I'm mad. And our intuition is still correct. And boom, we go. And that's a big part of it. I've seen it in, um, I mean, when we, when we started with War Machine, WCC, uh, in the beginning, everybody just kind of did pairing on the fly. It was like, oh, I don't want to play this. I don't. And the, and then you saw at year two or three, people were bringing laptops, spreadsheets, and everything. <laughs> and some, people, some people just took a you know a little piece of paper and just went, yeah, or, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, and then just you know just did it on the fly. But you had people. I mean, seriously, spreadsheets and laptops or you know iPads or whatever. 
Um, so, I mean, the preparedness for some teams is is up here. Uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it don't, depending on how well they do their job beforehand. Uh, I, I do want to, uh, before, before I forget, I want to lift up one thing, um, but I want to shout out uh, our, our boy Sooner, uh, who, who did show up uh, with the, the best American pants uh, on this Saturday <laughs> event, uh, of just repping, <laughs> repping team freedom. And uh, uh, so uh, shout out to him. But you know what? I think what's really awesome, Gil, is because of this format, um, you see a lot of dual affiliated teams, uh, to Bjorn, you know, being able to run, um, it, what in my opinion is a very different, uh, dual affiliation, which is, uh, webs and midnight suns. Yeah. Um, and, but I think that's a, a really neat thing about WTC that you're not going to get at many, uh, conventions and Tim, you said it, um, where there are some, uh, you know, conventions or events where uh, you have a team of three. I mean, Gil, you and I, we did that at uh, NashCon. We had, you know, three, three man, uh, you know, events, uh, but you could still, you know, well, we're still kind of, uh, everyone gets some of the best characters, but you can't do that with, uh, with five people. So I really love uh, this ability to take two different affiliations that you don't think you know, inherently would actually play nice with each other. I, I would not think that Midnight Suns and Web Warriors pair well, only besides the fact that uh, Moon Knight is in both. <laughs> I was just about <laughs> to say, I just love Moon Knight, man. I just want to run those Right, yeah. Is someone, is Tabjorn just a Moon Knight, you know, fan? You know, uh, and, and so I, I think that's really amazing. And the fact that he went 5-0, yeah. uh, playing, you know, Midnight Suns, uh, which I think is kind of traditionally, even with the, the blade bump, probably still maybe considered maybe not one of the, the top tier affiliations uh, and, and Web Warriors, which probably is. Uh, and he didn't just jam five Web Warrior games, right? You know, this wasn't a weird, oh, I could technically go, you know, Midnight Suns and oh. just never did. Uh, he, he played both. And it, yeah. to your to your point, it sounds like they, they had a plan. Uh, they really... Uh, marked that well ahead of time. And, um, I know, uh, speaking with some of the, the, uh, team America guys, we had three, you know, we had three teams, which yeah. I, I want to talk a lot about a little bit, um, here in a moment, but, um, you know, the American teams, you know, we're, we're kind of feeling, you know, a little confident of going, okay, well, we, we should be able to do this, uh, and recognizing the level of preparation that some of these other teams were doing, it was just through the roof. And, uh, you know, I, I commend all these other teams taking the time prepping and prepping in a different way than you would normally do for a singles event. Uh, Absolutely. But I, I, I do want to ask, did you, uh, you know, when we, so when you have several teams representing the same country, when, when we think about maybe, you know, next year or in, in the future, is there like a, when you're planning the event, is there a, a gold, so I, I want this many teams, you know, representing from different countries, you know, trying to, trying to spread out. I know that uh, we did have a team from Israel that, that had originally and wanted to be there, but couldn't, you know, because of, of world events. Um, is that something that you guys are very conscious about of trying to, you know, go and recruit some, some players from different countries? Is that thought of part of the thought process? Uh, it hasn't been, but uh, the way things have changed uh, and having Norbert as my recruiter, I, it might be something we actually will do. I mean, my dream is, that we go 64 teams. Uh, if we went to the Haiti and War Machine Horse, it was 64 teams from 
tons of countries where there was a limit on every country got two teams once every country who had a chance to sign up with two teams there was a certain deadline now everybody fill up to 32 teams and let's say there's 10 spots left and there's 14 countries who's accumulated enough points in previous years to qualify for 13. so we give those top 10 uh ask them do you want a third team and if one of them don't the spot goes to the next on the list mm. if let's say we have 14 on the list uh and there's 10 spots but there's only nine on that list who wants then we'll open up to anybody who doesn't have points say we have one spot left for a third uh, team whoever wants to come can come if we don't we will fill we will find players for un teams so we're even numbers because that's important for me there's nothing worse going to a tournament and then having a buy and especially if you're traveling for a world championship as a team and you get a buy and i mean i'm i'm i still think we did the right choice in how we ended up playing this year but i'm really unhappy we had to have a buy because i i really hate it i've seen in other games you you sit there for two two and a half hours watching it i mean luckily wtc the gaming is, of course, a big part of it. But if you ask most people who's ever gone to WTs before and to this one, one of the biggest things of going to this is the socializing with all the players. Yeah. Because Friday night, uh, I've got photos and I'm going to put a lot of them up on the different Facebook groups and I'm going to send all of it to AMG as I promised them. But Friday night, once we got everything set up, somewhere between 60 and 80% of the teams who was coming was playing games or sitting in the hall, looking at games, having a beer and socializing, drinking, or and the ones who were in the hall was either on their way or sitting out in the foyer near the bar, talking um, and drinking. And some were drinking a lot, some were drinking less. <laughs> I mean, we had people, we had a Finnish guy sleeping on the table Friday, Saturday morning. Uh, I remember that picture. <laughs> I saw that picture. <laughs> yeah, I mean, saw that picture. <laughs> that's the epitome of, of WTC. If you don't, I mean, there was even Friday night, there was people sitting up talking to three in the morning because, like, they met some people they've maybe known a few times at one event or online, or they heard about each other. And now they finally got a chance to meet up. So they were sitting there talking and drinking, and Friday night, Saturday night. Um, and then sometimes you get some super competitive teams. They like they won't even have one shot. They're gonna go with their plans and go to bed early and get up in the morning, and then go for it. Um, apparently, the best English team. They had one guy getting very drunk and just made it to the first round, and he, and then he won on Sunday. So he's now allowed to drink. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean. Positive Saturday, reinforcement, love it. Yeah, I mean, Saturday <laughs> night, the English guys came to me, can we watch the England-South Africa rugby game? I says, well, I mean, I've got three massive screens in the hall, but do you have a streaming service? And Rich Mitt came up and says, I've got a streaming service. Awesome. Lock in on my computer because that was connected to the screens. We put the streaming service on, put the game on. I turned the sound up a little bit so we could hear it. But all the people still playing in the hall because, of course, they've played three rounds of very grueling team event during the day which meant they're going to have dinner and then they're going to go back and have some pickup games so people were playing till midnight until we had to get out of the hall and we literally had to tell them to stop playing the last game and leave the hall because um <laughs> they had to close go that home. <laughs> yeah go, well, go to the bar or go to the room but so it was so we had the south african team sitting there watching rugby with some english players and behind them i was sitting with the other group of english player watching rugby going on and then there was people drinking and playing and that's that's what that's what WTC is all about. And it was it was a fantastic feeling. 
I think and that's they made a- all strange go away of uh, not being, you know, entirely happy with the organization because I told people I I look for this standard and I think I was at this level and people was like it's it's fantastic it's awesome so I just left the things I can't I can't I can't fix and it's not ruining for anybody I just ignore them and then worry about the things we can do and people just told me it's fantastic and then I was like okay let's go well, let's have fun I think that's super important community building wise too uh, seeing as how all the meals were kind of shared for the, for the most part, right in the same hall, like at a lot of cons you go to, or a lot of events, it's kind of like, Oh, well round three's over. Everyone breaks apart, goes in their own directions to get to this place. That's off of the event site or to get reservations at this other one. The fact that it's, it's a lot more communal, like you get done with your games. Everyone's still hanging out. They're playing games. They're watching rugby. That hall's awesome. It's big. It's bright. It's beautiful. Like it has the room. People are, you know, sleeping under a table while everyone else is still playing, like whatever it takes. I think that's that's really cool. And it kind of makes a significantly more authentic experience as far as like going playing with the entire world as far as the community of MCP and just having a good time while doing it. Breaking bread, I think, is one of the most important things that you can do at a convention with other players and other people, especially if you don't get to see them all that often or ever. Um, And I, I think that that you've really kind of nailed there's been a lot of thought put into every little aspect of this event, whether it is organization or the pairing, the terrain being different. Mm -hmm. I think that you very specifically have put a lot of effort and emphasis on things that are very important to MCP that I think a lot of times get over, gets overlooked. Oh yeah. I mean, I had, um, I mean, when we started this up, I gathered a group of, 12 people, including myself, uh, from all over the world. Um, we didn't get any Australians on, but we had people from US, UK, Sweden, of course, Denmark, Italy, and Spain. So all the big nations we know of and we knew somebody from. So we got 12 people together to be like my guidance counsel of all the restrictions and rules and what decisions we want to make. I ran by that by all of them. So they had an input in what do you think about this? Went back and forth. and. I had some people who didn't agree with me on everything, especially not allowing the corset. And they were very much against it. And I just went, no, we're sticking with that because I think that's what's best for the community and the event. And when I met them doing the event, it's like, yeah, I know I said a lot. And it's like, don't worry. I want people to tell me stuff directly. I'm Scandinavian. We're very direct. Uh, for us, <laughs> a spade is a spade. Uh, we don't you know, beat around the bush. So tell me straight to my face, what do you think? because otherwise I don't care. Uh, and he said, yeah, I mean, and he's like, I was very open about it and I was very much against your decision. Was, but he's like, I can see now um, what, you, you know, the point of it. And I was like, yeah, it makes sense. And I do agree. And of course, also after the Rasa dropped, we basically had 22 new fig- models that also kind of like, okay, so we don't get the new from the corset, but we have 22 other models that's like almost brand new. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was like, yeah, and it's like as a whole, yeah, okay. There was people at the event he talked to, and he's like, yeah, we still haven't seen the corset in our shop. So, you know, we can't get 160 corsets into, you know, just because, you know, a couple of people can get them, we can't get them and put them together. And it's like, let's not stress about that. Let's stress about, yep, getting your list ready, being prepared, coming to the event at your best, and just ignore all that stuff that's out in a week or the week before. Who cares? Just get your things in order. Come to the event. Everybody plays on the even footing, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Gil, did you did you hear back from your, your recruiters from Wakanda? I didn't see any reps from from Wakanda. There was no teams representing uh, the nation of Wakanda. I don't know if that was intentional or not. If you ever find any players from there, I'll uh, I'll. Uh, That's what I'm happy. saying. You know, I'm, I'm, we might have to, to start some uh, you know a player affiliation from. From Wakanda, their, their models are all vibranium, and you're not allowed to fly with that. They they confiscate I, you know, it, so it, it's I'm kind sure, of a, it's a I'm whole sure. thing. Man, yeah. vibranium MCP models that's mm-hmm. that's baller. Listen, they are lightweight and incredibly durable. You could not break <laughs> one in a cup holder if you tried. Yeah, Malakis yeah. never his wings aren't breaking. He's breaking the terrain when. He- <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think they would also be too expensive. You buy one model and you spend the whole team's budget on that one. Yeah, no, that's true. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. No. Were there any overwhelming upsets or really cool moments that kind of happened throughout the weekend that kind of have stuck with you being like, wow, I'm really glad I either got to hear about that or that that happened at your event? Um, I think there's a couple of people. Um, I mean, people had some ideas about who would be the teams to beat at the WCC, one of them being uh, Pat's England's Lions. Yeah. Uh, definitely one or two of the American teams. Uh, I know Pat mentioned one of them as he said, that's definitely one they, they see as a thing. I knew the Swiss was very strong. Um, but I told, I mean, I told the guys in Denmark, I know how you guys play. And if you get your stuff together and get a proper plan and you do your best, you have a chance at a podium spot as well. And they were close. Um, because I said, I've, I mean, I played in Europe, uh, all of the many places I played with all the Swedes, well, most of the Swedes. I played with a lot of people in the UK. I've been to the US a couple of times. So I know how people play around the world, real life as well. Um, so I have an idea of the, of the level of players. Um, so I knew there was a lot of people in for it. I mean, but let's be honest, there was probably three or four teams that, because also the Spanish and Italians are very, very good. Uh, one of the, my day, one of our Danish team, they met him and they looked him up and it's like, two of the players has a 86 and 87% win ratio. I was like, yeah, I could have told them they're good. <laughs> no, I played them and they're very, very good. And they played team events before. So they know what they're doing. They, they went to nations in the UK. That's where I met them first time. And they had a very solid team and they have very solid players. Um, but I think England. Uh, losing uh, England Lions, they're losing. That was a shock for people. Yeah. And then one American teams got be- uh, knocked out early from undefeated. Uh, so there was a few upsets that people wasn't expecting that. So after that, it was like everybody's like, so who are we looking at now? Because some of the teams that people expect to be in the top spot or meet in the final, they were already at a loss. So um, uh, I mean, Norbert's team went three and zero the first day. So they were like, wow, what's going on here? Uh, and there's a few teams. I think one of the Danish team was 3-0, uh, and then they lost uh, one t- one game on uh, day two. Um, that, yeah, that was home field was, advantage. You know, those Nordic teams, you know, just used to the cold. Is that what it is? Yeah, just, you know, did you open a window and just freeze everybody else? No, no, we, we couldn't because the wind, I mean, everything would have knocked off the table. I mean. <laughs> Except for the vibranium models. Except for the C, look, Team Wakanda coming. Yeah. We only touched light on the WTC storm. So let me quickly go back to that one. Friday night, when I meet some of the first guys, they're like, storm. I was like, wow, is that normal? I said, no, no, no. It's once every 10, 15, 20 years. I said, I'm 52 years old. 
in my lifetime, this is the third or fourth time we had a storm like that. Uh, the first time I remember it blew the roof off the parliament, which just landed down on the square in front of the parliament. That's when I was in the school as a, uh, 10 years old or something. So, I mean, that happens very rarely. Um, when we had to put stuff into the hall, I would drive around the hotel to the backside. So you have ho- the whole wall of the hotel, which is, you know, 12 stories high. And then you'd have a, a 20 meters, like an 80 foot high, high wall on the other side. So you're basically driving into a wind tunnel. So the wind outside in front of the hotel now got amplified times three when you're in that wind tunnel. So I drive down with a trailer. I have a friend in the car. He opens the door without holding onto it. It almost blows the door off. Lucky I didn't hit the wall because I was too far away from it. And luckily the hinges on the car held up so we could close the door, no problem. Then we had to get the trailer off. And we got somebody to open the door. The small door was not wide enough for the trailer, so we had to get the big gate open. And to hold that open with the wind, we had to pick the three heaviest guys we had to stand in front of it, and they had to put all the might to hold that open while we put the trailer into the hall. And then we basically just they just start walking. The door just blew shut, and we closed the doors. And then we unload everything, and then said, okay, now we got to get out with the trailer. So I need, you know, four or five people because it's now empty so it doesn't blow away. So put it out, hook it onto my car and hope it doesn't blow away. And then left that there and we were like, I mean, I could, I'm over 300 pounds. I could lean 45 degrees into the wind and not fall over and just stand there. When I went out, Friday night when I went out to my car, I took two steps and then the wind stopped me dead. I just stopped. <laughs> I had been heavy into the wind and basically pushed like you're squatting yourself forward to get the 20 feet over to my car, open the door, hold on to it to get in. So when I came with a second load, I was like, okay, put my front into the wind. So instead of it blowing the wind, the door off, and it's like, I can... But then the wind kept hitting the top of the... The, the back door and blow it in, you know, trying to lock it. And it just three times it knocked me on the head. I was like, okay, I hold it <laughs> and put it into the hall and then close it. You know, it's, it was, it was insane that storm. And the, that's why, I mean, Norbert said when they landed, he was sitting on a tarmac and he was feeling a little nauseous because they were standing still. And he said, the plane just went like this because of the wind. They were trying to get the stairs up. It took him 10 minutes to get that, Part where they actually could get the stairs up to so they can get out. And he walked out of the plane and he almost got knocked over the railing, had a hole on, walked down and then walk into the terminal because they just couldn't get close enough to the terminal because the wind there wasn't safe. So they had to unload them outside. It was uh yeah, it was insane. Uh, so that storm and and the funny thing is Monday, Tuesday, and the weekend before, it was it was a cozy, it was still nice. Uh, it's 15 degrees Celsius, which is something in the 60s, yeah. and there was no wind. So it was fine. It was 60 degrees with a light breeze. So we're like, yeah, that's fine. And then he's like, it just, Wednesday and onwards, it just kicked off. And Friday was, that was just the the peak of it. Uh, it was insane. And then Saturday morning, light breeze, nothing. Easy peasy. 
<laughs> so speaking of all the people uh, helping you body block to get that trailer in, one of the things we're doing around here at the network is called the PCN Heroes of the Hobby. So right now to yeah. the end of the month, people can nominate somebody that is either a community champion, someone that runs events, helps organize, or is just an overwhelming uh, positive force, whether it's for hobbying, painting, playing games, or just being just a, a dope person that helps teach people the game, where you can nominate somebody that you think is a hero of the hobby that will get a custom painted model from Taylor on the Hobby Hangout. Is there anyone as kind of part of your staff or part of your grouping that you just kind of want to say a thank you to? I'm sure that there is a ton of people and a ton of work that go into pulling off an event like this. Um, but is there anyone you'd really kind of just like to recognize for what they do, especially if maybe um, they weren't like overwhelmingly out in front of people to be able to get that respect for the work they put in for the WTC? Um. Well, I've, I've got four people I've mentioned the whole time because uh, I was being stupid and just going like, I've done this for 23 years. I can do all of it myself. <laughs> I understand. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to do that moving forward because I realized uh, <laughs> I had a stressful year. Um, but I had Pat and Norbert from the UK keeping me sane and being the voice of reason bouncing ideas off on. And as I said, Norbert had been my recruiter and my SOMI director. And then on the Danish side, I, side, I had um, my two long-term friends, uh, Søren and Peter, uh, twins, uh, who's helping me with everything. They've helped me play doing tournament. I mean, they started 10 years ago saying, you organize all these events for us when we played War Machine. How about we take over and you get to play some before you burn out? I was like, that would be nice because, you know, I would drive from Sweden to Denmark when I lived there just to run an event for guys to then drive home again or come from work and then get two hours sleep on the couch and do an event and then drive home. But they're like, how about we pick up a little bit? And so they've done that for me for 10 years. Um, when I brought the printers in, uh, bought printers, uh, Søren, who lives close to the shop we used to have the printer set up in, was saying, um, well, we download all the, the files and then he'll print all the terrain and he will go down every day uh, to check the printers and set up the new pro program and make a list of, I told him what we need. He'd made a list of what to print. I'll come in you know, once a week, pick some stuff up to take home and paint. And uh, I just asked him, so so where are we at? It's like, oh, we need this and that. You need to do this. You need to get this. Then I'll do all this. And he did the programs. He even, he was even, e when he went on holiday, he was even emailing back to us and making sure the files were in order, everything was in order. I mean, without him, I wouldn't have printed one piece of train. I wouldn't have gotten one piece of train made other than the few boxes of official train I had at home. But then I would have been, I would have three tables and not 20 tables uh, ready, plus what I borrowed. So, I mean, Pat Norbert had gone, has already gone a ton of recognition. And the ones you never see is the two twins because they're just very quiet, staying in the background. So, I mean, I would like for them to be the recognition because they have been an are my rock um yeah on a daily basis that's that's awesome we were talking to miles um from the everwinter and the uh the ironwald events and he brought on cam who is uh, in a very similar role just kind of a sounding board first off and someone that just puts in a ton of work making sure the terrain is there and available because it's it's a overwhelming task when you're talking about getting that many tables especially with some diversity and uh it's 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 a huge task so a huge thank you to, to those people and anyone that does that tyson for frontlines events um the tisdale and the whole spray team for uh everything with adepticon i mean 
terrain is a big, big job. So the people that do that always make sure you're saying thank you to them because uh, those events cannot look anywhere near as they good as good as they do without that hard work. No, I mean, if you look behind me, you you see my house is a little bit of a mess because uh, over here, that's my painting table. I still got paint and uh, airbrush and terrain. And I got boxes behind me with either boxes to pack terrain in or boxes with uh, half done or uh, terrain ready to be made. Um, all that's going to be sorted out and gone into my spare room and then I'll take it out in an orderly fashion. But it'll probably take me another week to get everything organized in yeah. uh, you know? a uh, I'm not watching it too much right now. I'm taking it. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like you probably deserve a, a little bit of respite. It's, uh, yeah, it's, you don't realize how, I mean, my Sunday night, I actually stayed at a hotel till one thirty in the morning because we've had some things logistics wise with the rooms overnight and things that had to change with people staying longer. So I thought I had make everything sorted Sunday early, but you know, I only live five, five, six minutes away from the hotel. So that's easy. But I thought I'll stay here, hang out with people because I, some of them I won't see for a long time. And then if there's any problem with one person who's not sorted, who's going to bed late, I'm here. So I was like, when it got around one o'clock, I was like, okay, I think everybody's in the room. I I was worried I had one suite not organized. So at one o'clock I start saying goodbye to people. And when there's still a group of people and you say goodbye, we all know it doesn't take five minutes to say goodbye unless you just stand up and go bye bye. Like three and hours of goodbyes. <laughs> yeah, so that is. So it took me half an hour to say goodbye and get out of the hotel and get in my car and drive home. I went home. I turned off my alarm. Woke up Monday morning, rolled over and slept uh, one or two hours more. Then I got up. The only reason I put a pair of sweatpants on is because I had to go out to my car and bring this shirt on for um, for the first. <laughs> And I stayed home for the takeout. It's like, I'm not leaving my house. I'm just staying in and I got nothing to, I'm not even doing anything with my business until Tuesday. Um, oh, and then of course, one of the players gave me uh, a big bottle of Bailey's. I was drinking. Hell yeah. That. Yeah. So Monday night on the stream, I drank one third of the bottle, had a little bit of bust. And then Sunday when I was relaxing, I drank the other. And then yesterday with Rich, I drank the rest of it. That's why I don't have any more booze left. It's all gone. <laughs> So before we kind of bring this to a close quick, I know, uh, uh, Gil, you had sent me a picture of what the trophy for WTC uh, will be. I'm going to get that up on screen right now. Uh, so tell me about this. This looks rad. So this is a concept uh, image uh, and it, the, this trophy is currently being produced. Uh, it's not yet. I can find somebody to produce it. Uh the the fantastic florian stitch uh, here from europe who's done uh, a lot of uh, different artwork i contacted well i'm sitting in the uk gonna i'm over at patrick's uh, pat donfrick's place uh, whenever i went over to tournaments there i would go thursday to play in their gaming night in their club and then i stay with patrick and we play the tournament in the weekend and i'll fly back sunday or monday so I decided as a thank you, I was going to take him and his wife and Norbert and, and his wife out for dinner. And we're sitting and talking about the trophy and stuff and, you know, different ideas. And we thought, yeah, you know, Galactic's hand holding the planet one way or another would be cool. So we sit there and talk about that. And then we get to Pat's place and we look at, he has another trophy from Iron Gauntlet, uh, War Machine that has a similar thing. 
It's like, we don't want to be the same, but I mean, Galactus holding up the the, the world. Is, I mean, there's a photo of you look and he's standing like this, holding up the planet, but you can't really make that into a trophy with so far. So it's going to be, you know, something like that. Um, I worked that over. I called Florence, did, I wrote to him and it's like, can you do this? So he went online, looked for Galactus and how he's gotten to look and planet. And then he sent me this first in the black and white. And I was like, that looks cool. Can you put some colors on like the gauntlets so nobody's doubting what it is? He's like, yeah, that's cool. And then he sent me this back. And I was like, yep, that's the one. That's the one we do. Uh, and so when people get the, the small trophies um, for first, second, third, uh, that's going to be either acrylic or glass uh, in a in a in some sort of round shape order with a wooden foot. And then you're going to have that image in just in black and white etched into it. And then saying WTC 2023 champions and second place and third place and so forth. And I've, I'm thinking we're changing the shape of them every year. So you can both see the year, but also the shape's going to be slightly different. So one year it might be well oval and one they might have some edge, uh, whatever, or different, but different shapes every year. So they don't look exactly the same. You can recognize them that way. But we etch the same thing into it. And I've, I've got it in other games and they look really nice. Um, and then this trophy is going to be one where we are going to put a small plaque on for the winners every year. So the winners get to see him uh, at the um, at the tournament. Uh, and then, uh, um, yeah, the WCC committee is going to is going to keep it on hand and then put the plaque on with a name. So next year, when you get presented, we're going to go. This is the champions from last year and last year and last year. They can see them all around, order in order. You know who's the first and who's the afterwards and so um, and of course they're going to get all the photos um, they want with them um, well it's, I yeah. think I think it looks awesome like that's a great idea it really kind of in embodies like the the world tournament right I, I think that's that's super on the nose in a very good way yeah, that's yeah I, I absolutely love it yeah. I think it looks great yeah I mean the world had to be in there so uh, what better way that we because in I know not everybody who plays the game reads the comics, but everybody who's read the comics or look into it will know that, you know, the only one that's actually holding up the world is Galactus because, like, you know, every planet is his food. So he holds up a planet and is like, for us, we're holding up an orange, he's holding up a planet, you know. As as consolation prizes, getting those little uh, uh, chocolate globes that are coated with the foil that looks like the world so everyone can be their own world eater when they leave the WTC. That's an idea. Just cracked the code. Yeah, I think we just cracked the code. Right? I think we did. I think we did it. Yeah, look. Yeah, look. See, John, take the take the, take the notes there, guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But uh, just at, kind of in closing here, uh, Gil, thank you so much for coming on. Um, very much look forward to seeing the WT kind of continue to evolve and flourish. And I mean, if the goal is 64 teams, that's like 300 and something people. That seems like the right goal to have. That sounds awesome. Uh, but thank yeah. you for for coming on. What what you I, I I feel like you have to, or at least I hope you understand the the congratulations that it needs to happen for being able to pull off an event like this, have it go well. I don't think, and uh, even online and stuff, the only things I've seen that are even remotely negative aren't about how it was run or the event at all. It's about CGR or something like that. You know what I mean? There is <laughs> I, I've seen virtually no negative anything about this event, and I I think that I hope. I hope you take that to heart because that's an incredibly positive thing. I mean, 
as I walked around the hall, even Friday and Saturday when I was still upset and annoyed with things, um, the players pulled me through, through because a lot of times when, as I walked around and people start recognizing me, and at least also from the shirt, or if they, they, don't, they knew me, sometimes it would be every second or third person that would stop me and say thank you. Point of gratitude and one did and then somebody else jumped in or i went to the bar and a finnish guy says no no you don't pay for your drinks what do you want i was like oh, yeah. no, i'll just have a soda because you know i i'm working and i don't really drink beer and i'm holding back on the liquor till the end of the event uh i mean stuff like that is just i mean that's that that pulled me through and then some people saying see don't worry about the stuff you can't deal with and just let's just move on um so yeah that's fantastic and i've got tons of ideas and we're working on a feedback form that we're going to send out to all the captains and ask them to share with their players and then send back to us i've got one of the players a finnish guy who actually works with feedback forms so once i've got all the questions together i'll send it to him he'll put it up in a in a form and uh, make a link or something he how he has some way of collecting all that data so I just got to send that link out to the players and say, this is the link you got to go into, fill out this form, and then it will just organize all the data and give me all the feedback we need. And uh, yeah, and then we we have that to work with for next year. And it doesn't, I mean, as long as the, well, some of it is just answering questions and then you can put your notes in and anything constructed is something we can use. Yep. Uh, yeah, and we'll take that going forward to next year. Well, dope. Well, Ben, Gil, guys, thank you so much for, for stopping by. I really appreciate it. And uh, everyone out there at home, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that great stuff. And uh, make sure to be following the WTC into next year, uh, as I'm sure this event will only get bigger, better, and more beautiful. Oh, I have a closing remark. Yes. Next year, I am not going to mess up and make sure we get you guys out on time. So <laughs> it's dude. It was one of those things. Like leading up to this, like man, I really wish we could have made this work out. And uh, we really want to be there. We really want to be there. So, so we'll organize for next year. Uh, we pencil in now. You have exclusive uh, streaming rights uh, for uh, WC next year. All right, beautiful. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. You heard it here first. <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, come hell or high water, we're gonna get there next year. Like it's. I've oh, already yeah. been ranting in our group chats like about like this. We need to be there, but oh, it's uh, everything has to be organized next year by March, April. So mm -hmm. from April onwards, end of April and until the event, all we need to do is troubleshoot anything that shows up. Everything else is in order. I mean, we might still be producing terrain, but everything else is planned. Just just from talking to like the Adepticon folks and stuff like that, terrain never ends. <laughs> terrain never ends. <laughs> when I got 64 tables, I'm probably still going to produce another 20 tables just to be sure. Yeah. You can never have enough terrain. You know? No, you no, need no. to throw more stuff, right? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And things change and, you know, it's just, yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, thanks, Gil. Yeah. Like I said, you're, you're awesome. Like I said, we, uh, we as a community celebrate you and celebrate the success that uh, the WTC had this, this yep. year.
And if you haven't already, go over to that Google form for the PCN Heroes of the Hobby and nominate nominate Gil, nominate the twins, nominate Norbert, nominate Huggy Bear. Guys, there are people out here that put in literally dozens if not hundreds or doubles dozens of hours into pulling these events off. Yeah, that's a real number probably. But make sure you're nominating and recognizing the people that that make these events possible so that we can all enjoy this game together. But until then, we'll see you next week. Actually, probably in before now, then and now. But yeah, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this show, check out all the other great shows here at the Professional Casual Network. Like what, Danny? I'll tell you. On Mondays, we've got the Lost Omens podcast, our Pathfinder 2E actual play, hosted by me, playing through the Extinction Curse AP. Also, streaming on twitch.tv slash professional casual network at 7 p.m. Eastern time, you can check out, oh yeah, the Power Phase, our Marvel Crisis Protocol live battle report show. On Tuesdays, the podcast version of, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol Povlog is available. On Wednesdays, alternating releases on the Patreon, we have Settling the Southlands, our homebrew Wolfwarp actual play, and The Slithering, a Pathfinder 2nd edition actual play. And on Thursdays, live at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on twitch.tv slash professional casual network, we've got, wait, did I roll a wild? Our Marvel Crisis Protocol Povlog. You can also check out back episodes of Elite Eight Showdown and the first 39 episodes of the Lost Omens podcast, the first 24 episodes of Settling the Southlands, and the first handful of episodes of The Slithering on the YouTube at youtube.com slash the professional casual.